Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. There's always one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Today is Tuesday, March the 14th, 2023, and it is a Tuesday. That means, as per usual, doesn't always happen, but as per usual, we are having a Bitcoin breakout today, and this one's been a long time coming. Uh, Oscar Mary, who is the CEO and co-founder of Fountain.fm, which is my favorite podcasting 2.0 app. I've been haunting this dude on Twitter and Telegram since August last year, saying, get on a show with me. And they were basically so busy stomping out fires, they didn't want to actually get a big flood of, of new users and make their problems worse while they were trying to solve them. This winter, they introduced a new, a new version of their platform. And it solved like 90% of the bugs that they had. It's really been phenomenal ever since. Like, now is the time, bro. Let's get on. We had a fantastic discussion today. If you're still listening to podcasts on the legacy apps, like Stitcher and Apple, etc., after today, you might change your mind about wanting to do that. And it might have nothing to do with giving me sats. It might not even have anything to do with Bitcoin, at least initially, until you start getting some Bitcoin just by using it. And you might say, hey, this is just a better way to do things. When you hear about all the cool features today and all the ways that you can interact with me, I can interact with you, and you guys can interact with each other in a single integrated application using the podcasting 2.0 protocol. And more is coming, too. We talk about that today, too. Before I bring Oscar on, let's go ahead and hear from our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day number one today is Ridge Wallet, an awesome wallet, and a full complement of badass EDC gear is what you will find at Ridge.com. I've been carrying the Ridge Wallet uh, since about five years ago, a little over five years now, when they first approached me and said, hey, we want to sponsor the show. And I said, I don't, a wallet, I don't, I don't survival podcast. And they said, let us send you a couple and you see what you think. They did. They sent me their backup battery pack as well as, long as along with one of their backpacks, which was pretty much everything they had five years ago. And it was all phenomenal. I got rid of my billfold. I started carrying the Ridge Wallet, and I've never looked back. The billfold still sits on my little little stand in the corner of my office, and I'm not going back to it. I kind of keep it like as a what do you call it? Like a like a, an antique now, right? Like an artifact or something of a past life. Uh, it's just a better way to do things with the Ridge Wallet. But they have so much cool EDC gear. If you haven't been to Ridge.com anytime recently, you should get over there and check it out. MSB members, 10% off everything at Ridge.com. Next up today, ButcherBox.com. You know, this is my value proposition for ButcherBox. A giant box of meat right to your front door every month. I think I should actually be the marketing department... For all of my sponsors, I have better taglines, I think, than they do. It's pastured poultry, pastured pork, grass-fed beef right to your front door, giant box of meat, perfectly packaged, the con exactly what you ordered every month. You don't want it every month, you can get it every other month. You want a bigger box, you can get a bigger box. Smaller box, smaller box. You want to add some stuff on, I do every month. You can do that, too. And my biggest pitch for them, they don't pay me in money, they don't pay me in Bitcoin, they pay me in meat. That's right. I get an equivalent amount of meat every month 
to what I charge other sponsors for space credits, i.e. Federal Reserve notes, because the product is just that good. And I love having my freezer stocked with ButcherBox product. Check them out today at ButcherBox.com. With that, let's go ahead and drop on into the live feed with Oscar Mary from uh, Fountain.fm. All right, folks, we are live, and this is episode 3268 of the Survival Podcast. I think it's episode 38 of the Bitcoin Breakout, but I'm not sure about that, so don't hold me to it. Today's interview has been a long time in coming. I first discovered Podcasting 2.0 with Adam Curry uh, last early spring, probably about this time last year, actually. And it sounded very exciting to me. I got involved, and I was kind of using like a clunky, piece-together solution through a Discord bot or something like that. And about August last year, I found Fountain FM, and I'm like, where has this been, not just all my life, but the lifetime of all podcasters? Because it was easy not just for me, but for the audience, and I've wanted to get Oscar from uh, Fountain FM on ever since, and they were stomping fires like crazy, and they have come out with like the latest version uh, latest of the latest versions, I guess, early this winter. And they have time to stop a few less fires and be with us today. So, Oscar, thank you for being with us today on the Survival Podcast and Tuesday for a Bitcoin breakout. Hey, Jack, great to be here. And thanks so much for having me on. Really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I've, it's been a long time coming. Let, let's start off with, before we dig into Fountain itself, Oscar Mary, who, who are you, man? Like, how did you go from whatever you did in your professional life to being a founder and a CEO and like a co-creator of Fountain? Like, what were you doing before all this? Yeah, great question. Um, I guess I've always worked in tech in some way or, or another. Um, originally studied engineering um, in um, university and then worked in kind of uh, technology consulting for a bit. And then I had a previous business before Fountain, which was a digital agency. Uh, building apps for, um, you know, brands and stuff like that on the Amazon Alexa platform. Um, so, yeah, I've always worked in tech, not always as a developer, but uh, the most recent um, stuff I've been doing as a developer. And, yeah, I guess the origin of Fountain was, you know, just a combination of my interests, really. Number one being um, podcasting. I've been a massive podcast fan for so many years. I just think there's there's not a better medium for learning because you not only get the content in terms of the words and the information, but you actually hear those words um, with the personality and tone and emphasis of the people that you respect and can really drive those words home. So yeah, always been a massive podcast fan, been a big believer in Bitcoin for many, many, many years. And so um, it was kind of coincidence in that the first version of Fountain I just built as a side project in 2021 purely because I wanted to experiment with the clipping and how could we create a clipping interface that enables the um, like transcript-based clipping because I think um, you know messing around with the audio waveform on a mobile phone is pretty difficult. Um, so I had the first version of that just as a side project, which was playing around with it. And then at the same time, saw what Adam and Dave were doing with Podcasting 2.0. And because I was already kind of primed uh, as a Bitcoiner, massive believer there, when I saw the Lightning Network and, you know, programmable money combined with podcasting, it was just like, oh, my God, 
this is a no-brainer. This is going to be huge. It enables so much in podcasting that's been missing because of how fragmented it is. Um, so yeah, decided to kind of double down on on what I already had as a kind of side project. You know, you used a word there, a phrase really, programmable money. People have said that about Bitcoin for as long as I've been in the Bitcoin space, which goes back to early 2013. And I didn't get the, I like sounded great. It was one of those buzzwords. We're like, yeah, when I, when I really understood what lightning could do. So not at the very beginning, but as lightning began to develop and actually take form, that word clicked in my head. And what I've been saying lately, and I think this is true, if there's an app on your phone or your device that can be monetized, that's not monetized in the next five years, it won't be on your phone anymore. Because why would I use an app that doesn't pay me when I could use an app that does? Or even if it doesn't pay me, I've talked about like building a traffic app, like a Waze app that's monetized, right? So if you monetize an app, you're going to get more participation. If you get more participation, your network effect goes up. And so it's a better app, even for the person that doesn't care. And that's what I see you guys doing with Fountain. There's other apps out there that you can participate in the 2.0 network with, but they're not integrated for this kind of communication, not just between me and my audience or my audience back to me, but between the audiences themselves. And that is that is phenomenal. It's also kind of one of those things like once you see it, you go, yeah, why? Why didn't everybody do this? And I guess it's good for you, right? That like Spotify and Apple and all are just stupid and they don't get this. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, it surprised us as well um, because we thought this was all about the podcasters getting paid. But yeah. actually, it's so much more than that. It's about the interaction that, it, that this enables, not only between the listener and the host, but between listeners and the other listeners. For example, in the past, you would have no idea who else is a passionate um, listener of that podcast if you just use the default player. Now, obviously, you can go outside of the player to maybe a Telegram group or a Discord or a community that's set up outside of the listening experience. But there's so much friction there. If you can just see directly from the player or the episode page, oh, you know, here's another top fan of this show uh, let me see what they're saying maybe i'll reply maybe i'll click through to their profile and see their clips um i think that's something that hasn't been possible before and it's and it's why um it's so fun basically to to send boosts and and to support your favorite shows so before we get too deep into features and stuff like that when someone says to you what do you do and you said develop a, an app called fountain and they go okay what is fountain how do you answer that question yeah, that is such a good question, Jack. And I probably have like five to 10 different variations that I use depending on, you know, who I'm talking to. But I think the most interesting answer to the question is if somebody just out on the street asked me who knows nothing about Bitcoin, uh, knows nothing about tech, you know, how do I answer that question to them? And I think the main way I do that is with the comparison of Patreon, because most people that have listened to a podcast um, on any app have heard about Patreon. They kind of know what it does. So the way I like to explain it is Fountain is kind of like Patreon, but you don't have to leave the app to actually mm. support and interact with the rest of the community. And I think that's something that kind of lands with your average person. Also, you know, the word Bitcoin doesn't come in uh, to the description until much later, because the reality is we're still um, 
in a time here with Bitcoin where it, it does put some people off. They're like, oh, no, I don't want to go near that. Um, so, yeah, that's the way I, I tend to describe it um, at a surface level. And then, yeah, going into more, more of the features, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Yeah, I, I like kind of leaving the Bitcoin part out initially. Um, one of the cool things about Fountain is that, like, if I'm a consumer, I can get on there and start to earn some Bitcoin. I'm not going to become a mogul off it or anything, though if the next run is anything like the last one, I might be pretty happy about it in the future. Um, but I can start getting a little bit of sats in my hands, and then I can start redistributing those sats to the shows that I like the most. Um, and I like kind of, like, one of my problems with social media is since it costs nothing to do something, people do a lot of things that maybe I would prefer that they didn't do, especially spammers and bots and stuff. But when it starts costing me, it's, it's a fraction of a cent, but 10 cents to respond to a comment or uh, to like something. I can set my own amount for that, but I'm, I'm, I'm contributing something of value. This ability to just, like storm everything and spam everything becomes highly restricted. And I've, I've heard Michael Saylor talk about this with other social media apps, but it doesn't seem like any of them have like switched on to how simple this would be to start quelling what we refer to as spam. And sometimes it's just harassment. You want to harass me. And every time you harass me, I get money harass away. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, it's an incredibly difficult job to deal with spam. I mean, you see it with the biggest tech companies in the world. They can't even deal with it. And they have thousands of employees and, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, so for us, as you know, we're, we're a tiny three person team. Um, we wouldn't be able to counter that spam um, unless we had something really simple like the, the pay gate. And, you know, it's, it's tiny amounts. And because of the earnings feature as well, you know, even if you're completely new to Bitcoin and you haven't even topped up your fountain wallet, if you listen over a few days and weeks, you'll, you'll earn some sats and you can use those sats either to send a, send your first boost, which is an amazing experience, um, or you can like some clips, like some comments, reply to some comments. So, yeah, for us, it's just a really easy way to, to counter spam. You know, and it, it, it does matter. It does affect behavior because I consume a lot of podcasts while I'm working as long as I'm not actually broadcasting because those two things don't go together. And so I'll be working on my books or I'll be working on like the content for the next day or something. And I'll play a podcast in the background. Well, I've had a real tendency if that podcaster is like we are right now on YouTube and Fountain or Apple or Spotify or whatever. I just I have three machines here, two on each side of this one, and I'll just pull up their YouTube channel and hit play and then let it go in the background. And I, what I caught myself doing after a few months of being on Fountain is what the hell are you doing? So I brought one of my Bluetooth speakers in and I'll pick my phone up and pull up my app and I'll listen. Why would I listen where I'm, I'm basically the product for YouTube, where I am the consumer and the customer for Fountain. And that's why I say I think a lot of these apps that are out there, you know, I look at like people going into restaurants and being able to know which server to ask for because the restaurant is important, but the server's more important, right? Or to know, hey, don't come to this restaurant right now. Go across the street because there's a two and a half hour wait. And the place across the street's really good. And ask for Frank as your server. He's on duty right now. Like you monetize that, and, and things like Yelp are dead. And and I think this is the future of podcasting. And because of Adam, we have kind of this base to build on. 
But now that we have lightning and other things are coming up like fediments and stuff, I think that we're going to have like this hyper monetization of information sharing because when my listeners tell me something that makes my show better, that's worth something to me. So usually when I see a comment on Fountain, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll throw some sats back at them. And when people make clips of my show, to me, that's extremely valuable. That's one of the most valuable things an audience member can do for me is take their time to make short form content of the thing they think is most important. So I'll like that sucker like four or five times and throw them like 100 sats, 150 sats, because they just did a service for me. And I think that is what's it's what's been missing, not just in podcasting, but in this massive info market where basically you're just a dollar sign to the media company and the media company has to make money. Let's not, you know, dodge around that issue. But isn't there some sort of reciprocity possible? Yeah, exactly. And I think. You know, as somebody who's consuming content on the Internet, you have so much more to give than just your attention for advertising money. Um, I think curation is another huge thing that, you know, especially in podcasting and audio, the tools are massively lacking. But there's so much content out there. And especially the way podcasting works with the fact that you subscribe to RSS feeds. You know, most people that listen to podcasts very, very rarely will actually follow or subscribe to a new show. Um, and but that doesn't mean that they're not interested in content that sits outside of their daily listening habit. Doesn't mean that they won't get incredible value from hearing, you know, a two minute clip of your podcast that, you know, it, you don't you shouldn't have to subscribe to a podcast. To, in order to receive the incredible value that, that comes through the medium. And I think that's where curation um, is such a powerful um, tool, if we can enable it in the right way, with the right product features, with the right UX. Um, Clipping is like the first part of that, but also the, the comments as well, um, the boosts as well. They provide such a strong signal um, for you to you know, go and check out that episode. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things I found really impressive when I got involved was that I could take my own clips and I could promote them as an advertiser. And one of the things that I wanted to ask you about is it seems like on the, like you have like partners like Zebedee that must have some sort of back end deal with you or something that they're still doing that. But when I went to promote a clip recently, I couldn't I could only pr promote my show and I would actually prefer as an advertiser to take a clip that's laser targeted that somebody will give three minutes to two minutes to give them a hundred sats to listen. And if I can't win them to take a closer look, that's on me. So is that gone or did I miss something? Is it going to come back? I mean, yeah, so it's just temporarily gone. I mean, to okay. be honest, we, we, so we had the big 0.6 release in January, which um, introduced the activity feed and a complete revamp of the social features so that now, you know, the content signals on Fountain, whether they be boosts or clips, they can now propagate through the follower graph. So even if I'm not following the person that either sent that boost or created that clip, I might see it in my feed if, if the signal is strong enough. Okay. That was a massive update. And to be honest, yeah. we just we just had so much to do that. Yeah, the promoted clips we had to uh, leave out of that release, but they will be coming back. Um, it's just we've yeah we've got a lot on and we had to make that priority decision but i totally agree with you i mean yeah promoting a clip is often 
uh, a much better way to kind of yeah give people a sample of your content yeah because like you know for the initiated you turn my audio version on you get my sponsor segment my you know housekeeping all that stuff and the person's like i don't know this guy yet and if i can get right into his head with something because now i can get i can get strategic and i can say what do i want to really promote this month and i can make sure that there's a segment of a show that's designed to be clipped and so i'm glad to hear that's coming back um yeah and the other thing i think the thing that I'm so excited about all of this is, um, you know, the features that we have today are just scratching the surface of what's possible with yeah. programmable money. I mean, it's absolutely crazy. Like one thing I really want to do as well is have the ability for anybody to promote any content. So, for example, mm-hmm. like if someone really loves your latest episode, maybe as well as sending you a boost, they'd be able to kind of promote it separate to that and just kind of they'll they'll push out the discovery but then you know it's a difficult one because the boost in itself the money goes to you as the podcaster but we can still use that signal to effectively not promote it but just surface it to to other users so yeah there's so much more we can do with that so this is where it's dangerous to talk to a marketing podcaster because then i start filling up your list like i just had a word come into my head promote us on where I could take something I want to promote this month and say, anybody, any, anywhere in my listener audience, you can boost the promotion versus me and fund my promotion for you. Yeah. Because people yeah. would throw a buck at that. But if you take a buck times a thousand people, right, that's better for me. It's better for you. And it's better for the audience because this is what I find different about actual podcasting versus all of these what I call fake podcasters today, these talking heads from radio and television that after 15 years of people like me doing this are like, Oh, I want a podcast too. And they just repackage their shit. The people that listen to their podcast are doing it for convenience alone. They're not bought into the community around the podcast itself where like, as I was coming up, there was a time like I wanted to get on judge Napolitano's show on, on Fox news. And my community like Ramboed their selection criteria to the point where they're finally like, fine, we'll talk to Jack. They had me up to New York. I went, you know, went in and spoke to the judge and all like because they were so vested in what I was doing. They wanted to help me reach more people. And I think real podcasters have that. And the also rans off of Fox News or CNN or NPR. I don't believe they do. They're not. They're not what this medium was really designed for, and they've just discovered that they can push their stuff onto it. Yeah, 100%. And I think there's, you know, there's so many podcasts out there that um, never really get discovered anymore as well. There's yeah. some really, you know, old podcasts. Like the one I always think of is Dan Carlin, um, oh, yeah. incredible history podcast. Obviously, he's still releasing content, but, you know, First off, I would encourage everyone listening to go and check out his history podcast because they're so good. But if you if you go through that process, the UX is so terrible. You have to go to this website. You have to like buy with a credit card. Then you have to like copy and paste the private feed into the thing. And it's like, you know, and even if you go through all of that, there's no way right now for you to kind of share it because it's all hidden away on the private RSS feed. So like all you can do is tell somebody about it. There's no way for it to kind of uh, be like bubble up through any discovery. So yeah, I think there's so much we can do there. 
Can you talk about the value signal built built on Bitcoin being better for content recommendation? Because we're kind we're like the existing s- signals, because that's kind of what we're dancing around with here right now. Yeah, definitely. So what's the signal that is currently used on the Internet to recommend content? It's attention. So the only thing that affects what content gets recommended and what content doesn't is how much attention is paid to that content. Um, and fundamentally, it's just um, a terrible um, signal to use. It creates really uh, negative incentives because as a content creator, all you're incentivized to do is maximize people's attention. And we've seen this again and again on social media or media on the internet in that the content that is, you know, more provocative or more, you know, divisive um, is the content that ends up bubbling up through the recommendation systems. Um, as well as this, you just have a terrible incentive on the content creator to create content that they don't really even want to create or, you know, change their format. For example, we've all seen those YouTube videos where they're twice as long as they need to be because the content creator essentially thinks to themselves, hey, if I make this video 40 minutes rather than 20 or 20 rather than 10, I'm going to make double the ad revenue. And also maybe that's going to, you know, be preferred in the in the algorithm and get me more recommendations on YouTube. That additional attention is not providing anybody that's consuming that content any additional value or anything. It's not teaching them anything new. It's not, you know, making them laugh any more than they otherwise would have. Yeah. Um, and it's just a terrible way to measure the value of content. We should measure the value of content based on the actual value. The problem is we've never been able to measure the value of content before um, because how do you do that? You, you, there's no technology that allows you to do that. So um, the programmable money that we now have suddenly enables us to actually have an objective measure of value for every single action that people take on a content platform. Um, so like, I think the way that's going to change media on the internet is we're going to be able to create, you know, apps, platforms, protocols that incentivize content creators to just only think about the value that they're providing to their audience instead of some kind of attention game um, or like dancing with the algorithm or something like that. Um, so I think that's hugely powerful. I think it's going to create a much better internet. And also just for individuals, I think it's going to enable, you know, content discovery that's, um, you know, just really enjoyable. I think everyone's had those moments where, whether it's on YouTube or anywhere else on the internet, you find like a hidden gem of content and you're like, wow, this is like so good. Why has it got so few views or like, why have I never heard about this before? Um, and it's because probably that content creator was amazing at creating that one piece, but they didn't play the game. They didn't, you know, make the the weekly like format or whatever. So I think it's going to change a lot. And I think that um, podcasting 2.0, what Adam and Dave have created is the first step towards that. Um, you know, we've got boosts and streams now. That's, you know, that's the first step. Yeah, I would say like there's every media out there can benefit from this. I recently were talking about like extra content, not necessarily always being valuable. So the other day I had a problem. The battery died in the, the uh, start remote for my challenger. I knew there was an emergency way to start it. So I can either go through the book that's this thick to find it, or I can go to YouTube. 
So I go to YouTube and the dude that I found that gave me the answer had like a six minute video. And it was like literally the history of the Dodge Challenger. And when it came back and like the like, dude, I yeah. want, and, and like the end of the video, he takes the remote. And all you do is you, you step on the brake and push the remote to the start button and it works, even if the battery's dead. And like I'm like, I, I need one thing. And I think there's so often that's just an example where somebody they're not looking for the history of whatever they, I need this one thing. And that curator yeah, that's the word for this, really, is the one providing the value. And what I love about Falcon, if somebody makes a clip of my content, I get the exposure, but they get the likes and what have you and, and the monetary value for that clip. Because before I understood that, when I first started using it, I'm like, I don't know that I feel good about being paid for what the other person did. And then I real quickly realized, hey, you know, this this works the other way. And then what I found, what I thought was really cool is I always actually got a, a little bit of my my sponsorship money when I bought promotion from you guys back because I'd make that clip, I'd promote the clip, people would like the clip, and I'd look, and this clip that I'd been running as a promotion for three or four days, there'd be like 3,000 sats. And that was actually a lot because people generally are doing like a 10, 10 sat you know, like on it. So I was getting likes to promote my clips and getting a small refund on my small, like I've never advertised that way. We're literally the person I'm paying to see my content is paying me back. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> and if, if you don't understand that that's the disruptive technology, you probably work for Spotify or Apple. I'm, I'm just saying, um, what are you got some new stuff coming or podcasting 2.0 has like some new tags that are coming soon. And I know you guys are big on making sure that those are usable in your app. So what's coming from the 2.0 folks? Yeah, so I think the biggest example of what's coming in podcasting 2.0 is the live item tag. So, you know, right now we're doing this live. Um, we're, you know, recording it on various platforms and it's going out live to various platforms. But, you know, one place where it's not going out to is the podcast app. We have to wait for, mm -hmm. you know, after the fact, you transition the audio into a podcast episode and then it appears there. And so, you know, we're getting some great questions here on the live stream. Um, you know, those are going to be lost um, if we don't kind of look at them. So with the live item tag, what we're hoping to do and we're planning to, you know, release this very soon is actually have any boost and also no one can boost us live as well. So Correct. we're we're hoping to have all of the functionality that you have in Fountain for episodes uh, have that for live streams as well. Um, so if someone sends a you know five hundred thousand sat boost live as we're talking, that can influence the the content of this particular episode. But then people can still see that after the fact. Um, so yeah, live is a massive one. Um, and then, uh, the other things that we're working on as well are transcripts. Um, because one of the things that's interesting about the transcripts is, um, you know, we probably talked about this, um, you know, over DM like a year ago when we first launched, but originally the transcript based clipping was available to all fountain users, but because mm -hmm. we're using a commercial transcription company, we had to put it behind our premium tier, which is $2.99 a month, purely for cost. We were spending too much money on transcription. Oh, yeah. um, but one of the amazing things, just in the past year, the open source AI transcription models um, are starting to 
you know, number one, massively improve in accuracy and number two, massively decrease in price. So this is kind of like solving the transcript issue. You see it with the hosting providers that are starting to offer transcripts uh, for all of their episodes. And also for Fountain, it's going to allow us to open up those transcripts, not only to all users, but also, um, you know, make it instant as well. Because again, if you've created a clip on Fountain, you'll know you have to hit create clip, wait for the transcripts, takes like two minutes, and then you can come back to it. Obviously, that's not a good user experience. Um, so yeah, I think there's so much that we can do with the transcripts. Clipping is one example. Search is another example. The UX of the player is another example. So you can follow along with the transcript. Um, so all of these things I'm really excited about. Uh, and yeah, live item as well. Yeah, I, I agree completely that I want to see that. But when you did it, I'm like, I totally get it. And the good thing for me is since I was a premium member, all of a sudden mine worked better because it wasn't being hammered from everywhere, I guess. But like the, the slowness, like it sped up, I guess. Um, honestly, I think that it's, it's a value at three bucks. I think anybody out there that uses your app three bucks a month to enhance your experience is totally worth it. Personally, as a producer, I wish you guys would introduce like a producer pro or something because you have so much data I want. And I know the data is there. I just can't get to it. And I said this on the beta group, like, yes, I can now see who my top producers are every week, uh, supporters are every week, but I can't see like just my top boost, boostograms. Like, mm. I want to see that. I want to know the point on my podcast where everybody goes, fast forward, fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. Mm. I want to know that they don't like, like, there's so much data that I want that I'll pay for because this is a business to me, right? It's a passion, but it is a, it's a, it's a passion-based business. And I want to serve my audience better and their behavior, if I can actually get a window into it, I don't need to know who turned me off. I used to know if, if I know 10% of everybody listening skipped something, I either need to cut it or I need to make it better. You know, so I, I and I think that's a revenue model for you guys as well, because, you know, some a lot of your top shows, these are people who earn their living podcasting. They're not just the guy that does a sports podcast with his buddy once a week. Yeah, exactly. And we definitely plan to add more features like that for for podcasters i think you know the biggest thing i'm focused on over the next few months is just the listener experience though because yeah one of the things that i've learned and you know i'll put my hand up and say that we've you know fallen down on this a little bit again we're, we're a very small team and um but my number one focus is improving the listener experience uh for podcast listeners within fountain because you know all of the things that we're talking about that we're so excited about, um, it doesn't matter if we don't deliver that like amazing listener experience. So that's my number one focus. But once we've got um, all of those things in place, then definitely we want to expand the, cool. the kind of podcaster side features. And I've seen the bitching and I'm, I'm going to use like, guys, this is a brand new thing that's never been done before. Have Give these guys a little bit of grace because <laughs> I know you guys – I mean, if you talk about a team that works their ass off, just by seeing what you've been able to do with such a small team, it doesn't happen without working your ass off. And when when you're breaking new ground and you're the pioneer, you're going to get some arrows. And, you know, I've had people like, you know, they took all my sats and it turns out that like they had like 37 sats come in and it disappeared. Like, here's I'll, I'll tell you what, man, give me an lightning address. I'll send you 100. Like, chill out. 
Like, it's going to be okay. Like, these guys are not doing it. to Like, they didn't do that to trick you out of 37 sats. And I think that people that go first into a new app need to understand, you know, you guys aren't Spotify or, you know, some giant tech team from Microsoft or something. And if you want radical disruption, then you also have to tolerate a little bit of disruption. And I would have to say that, Everything changed in January when you guys came out with kind of your your new everything. And then, you know, people like me, you had to do a ton of manual work for it. I don't really understand how, but like to shift all of the stuff over for me to get on that new platform because of the number of followers I have there and whatnot. It was a lot of work, but you guys did it and everything. And if you so if you're in this audience and you've listened on Fountain, and you're thinking, well, back in November, I thought it was too buggy or whatever. You need to get back on there because it is a totally different experience. So I've seen the progression forward, and it's been very impressive. Yeah, so the the big release in January, Fountain 0.6, was, you know, we were working on that for three or four months. Um, and there were so many improvements, not only to the UX of the app and the design of the app, but also under the hood. We, re- we redid our entire payments infrastructure um, and data modeling from scratch. And so we had to not only transition everything over, but also run the two systems in parallel at the same time. So, yeah, it was a huge job. But now we have a really stable infrastructure that is going to serve as the basis for everything that we do going forward. And also, you know, we're not stopping here. We have a whole bunch of improvements, design improvements, feature improvements. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're doing our best. And. What I would also say to anyone listening who's either tried Fountain and, and didn't quite find what they were looking for or hasn't tried it yet, you know, please do send us an email or use the in-app uh, feedback submission tool because we literally we track absolutely every piece of feedback and we're working through them bit by bit. Um, so even if you don't you know, see it the next week, it will happen and I'm committed to doing that. So, yeah, appreciate all the feedback that people send in. Yeah, very cool. Um what are some exciting new lightning features that you think can be applied to podcasting 2.0? Because lightning is a moving target in of itself. Like lightning today is actually different than it was three months ago. Significantly so. Yeah, great question. I think there's two things that are really interesting for me. So the first is the non-custodial technology that's progressing. Obviously, Fountain at the moment is a custodial wallet. So, you know, Fountain holds all of the funds and manages everything for you. That kind of, you know, against a little bit the thesis of Bitcoin. Um, so we definitely want to add a, a non-custodial option. Um, and there's some great developments coming um, coming along with that. One in particular, though, that's so important and it's not available yet is the ability to receive an offline payment. So right now, there are some apps that allow you to uh, run a full lightning node on your phone. The best example of this is Breeze. Incredible app. Um, you know, they do so many cool things, um, but they don't allow you to receive a payment when you're offline. So the way that we think about Fountain is we don't want to separate users that are listeners and users that are podcasters. We think that they are the same type of user. You know, any user should be able to earn from a podcast, whether they're a guest whether they're a producer of the show who contributed some value. Um, so if they're in the splits, you know, we need them to be able to receive the payments offline, you know, whether they're on a plane or they're, you know, asleep, no signal, whatever. 
Um, so I think offline payments in a non-custodial way is something that I'm really looking forward to. I think it's going to take a bit of time. I think we're talking like maybe one to two years out from now. But for me, that would be incredible because it would allow us to offer the same features that we have in Fountain today, but in mm -hmm. a state where you control the keys, you know, Fountain can't do anything with your funds unless we have access to your device. Um, the, the approach we've taken is to try and push as fast as possible in a custodial way, because that's what we can do right now. But I'm hoping that in the future, we'll be able to kind of offer that non-custodial option as well. Yeah, I, I don't worry about it too much. I mean, you know, I get up to a few hundred thousand sats, I do a withdrawal. You know, and that was the other thing. Like, I think you have some sort of partnership going on with Zebedee now. And that seemed yeah. to make a lot of the bugginess on withdrawals go away as well. Because now I can withdraw. I run a node and it's attached to Zeus and I can use that. Uh, I play with Wallet of Satoshi. I actually do that because I bounce liquidity back to balance my node uh, with Wallet of Satoshi because it makes it really easy. You just send it in a loop and your liquidity moves back to the other side for a few sats. Um, but yeah, I've had no issues. Like, I, I don't mean it generally works all the time. I mean, I've had, I have not had a failure when I hit send ever since that day. And I was getting like pretty frustrated. Like, okay, I know you're new, you know, you're new app and all, but the ability to move the Bitcoin is a fundamental user experience thing. And that seems to have just like flat killed that thing dead. Yeah, exactly. And our partnership with Zebedee is, is what is, um, you know, producing that, you know, Zebedee are a massive company. They power um, the Bitcoin payments for a bunch of gaming companies, like huge gaming companies. So, yeah, everything, every single payment is much, much more reliable since January as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's take a few listener questions here. We've had a few come in already. Uh, this one might be never. I don't know. When will uh, Fountain FM go to desktop? And that's, a, you know, I actually would prefer that because I have a really badass sound system tied into this machine over here. <laughs> you know, but I can understand why you might not want to because it might make the ability for people to game the system like running 20 machines in, you know, someplace in, in the Middle East or something a little easier to do because when you launched giving out sats, you had a lot of people basically trying to just dr drain sats out of the system. Yeah. So on desktop is definitely something that we plan to support. Um, as I said earlier, though, we want to 100% focus on the mobile listening experience first. So we're definitely, we're not going to leave the mobile listening experience on fountain unfinished or with you know any missing features before we move to desktop but it will come eventually hopefully at some point this year we'll be able to launch the desktop version as well and have all the things that you'd expect like cross device episode sync playback position sync all of that stuff um yeah here's one i've heard a lot of people rattle this around that they would like audiobooks available on fountain i i think that's cool but I also think it's kind of like you do what you do really well, right? So I, I think it would work, but then you got to get the content owner to, because right now you could do it. You could, you could basically turn your audio book into a podcast and you're done. I, I don't know if maybe that that nut is better cracked by an audio book app. 
Yeah, so for me personally, I love audiobooks almost as much as I love podcasts. And it's definitely something that I would like to add to Fountain at some point. I think the biggest challenge we have there, and also this kind of ties into the music question as well, is um, the the commercial licensing. The reason we're so oh. free to experiment with podcasting is because it's open RSS. And you, you as the owner of that RSS feed, you know, you're not in any commercial deal with a publisher. You just have full control over your content. With audiobooks, obviously, you know, there's this huge existing industry of publishers. And so if you want to launch uh, an audiobook app, you kind of need to go start dealing with that world and the commercials that exist around it. So um, I think it could work in a way uh, whereby, you know, it kind of works like the existing audiobook apps where you have to still purchase the audiobook, but then we layer on the value for value, the boosts, the clips, the comments on top after the fact when you've purchased it. Um, so yeah, I think for me, I definitely want to add audiobooks. I think we can fit it in there with the user experience quite easily because ultimately, you know, it's still spoken word audio and I think a lot of the features will work well together. Um, but yeah, the biggest issue is just the, um, commercial commercial uh, deal that we get and how we convince publishers to let the authors accept payments on top of their existing mm-hmm. publishing deal um, but I think we we will be able to get that and obviously music as another um, you know I think value yeah, value Sony, time Warner all of that with their hooks in it so yeah exactly exactly but yeah definitely audiobooks plan to add at some point I'd like to see music done like as an option for independent artists who, again, if you're an independent artist right now, how can I put this? You hate money. If you're not using every mechanism you can to monetize your content and get it out to your people. If I was an independent artist and I was the kind of person that's putting out regular new music, I would just take that audio file, get a thing called WordPress. Anybody's allowed to do it. And I would push my music into a podcast and I would damn sure make sure I'm on the podcasting 2.0 network with it. And so, you know, if you think about it this way, like what podcasting did was it broke the gate. It didn't get past the gatekeepers. It made the gatekeepers in broadcasting functionally irrelevant. Right. So let's go back to when I started my podcast in 08. I am a, a guy running multiple tech companies and recruiting firms. I'm in the standard corporate America thing, working with this crazy entrepreneur from from your side of the pond, right, Neil Franklin. And we're building all these companies, and I'm done. I'm overweight. I'm tired. I'm out of shape. I hate my job at this point. I love the guy I'm working with. I love the team I'm working with. I just don't want to do this anymore. And I get this crazy wild hair up my ass, and I'm like, you know what I want to do? I'm a good speaker. I'm a good teacher. Teaching sucks. You don't make any real money doing it. I want to, I want to go into broadcasting. And I'm in my mid-30s at that point. Late 30s, I guess. Yeah, late 30s. So now, what am I going to do prior to podcasting? Go schlep coffee as, a, coffee as an intern at some radio station and beg to get on between like midnight and 4 a.m. maybe. And maybe in 20 years I can get syndicated and I'll be an old man. Instead, you take podcasting. And in one year, I could have went full time and my partner asked me to stay six more months. And I did for him. So in 18 months, I'm a full time podcaster with this massive audience and zero gatekeeper interaction, like none. 
a, a complete bypass of everything. And that's the disruptive nature of what we're doing. And you want to kind of see that move out into these other spaces. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it would be amazing if both audiobooks and music as a medium just used RSS in the future. I think, you know, there are some moves happening there. Obviously, we have the medium tag in the podcast yeah. 2.0 spec, which allows it. So, yeah, I, I think we'll hopefully get there. It's going to be slow, though, as Adam Curry always says. But see, with splits, you actually have all the solutions in front of you. So let's say I'm an author and I have a narrator, right, and I have an editor. So instead of going through a publisher, I write my book, my editor edits my book, and my narrator reads my book. I push that out in this environment, and I preset it. So my editor gets 10% of all the revenue. I get 60% of all the revenue, and my narrator gets, what, 30% of all the revenue. And it's instantaneous, and there's no bookkeeping. And I'm not responsible for a 1099 for paying these people. They're responsible for their own revenue. And now we have not just gotten rid of the gatekeeper to publishing, gotten rid of the accountants. I've gotten rid of like 20 different positions that used to add over, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, additional cost to my cost of delivery. A word just went out of my head uh, there. Uh, I've gotten rid of that. And now I can be more nimble in my delivery to my, my paying customer and either I make more profit or I charge them less or both. Yeah, exactly. And you can just get started, you know, in five minutes by setting up your RSS feed as well. You don't have to go through the motions of uh, trying to find a publishing deal. And Chartreuse just came up with this. So I'm going to skip some of the other people that I've got. Think because this is interesting. You just need to figure out the digital right and programmable money context uh, would be a uh, bigger market than podcasting. So I think what he's saying is kind of shrewd is there's a licensing fee that goes along with using certain copyrighted content, if the monetary split just accounted for it, then they can't complain because you got your money, so shut up. Mm. That would be an interesting thing. And if you don't know how to figure out Bitcoin, you need to do that because your money's there waiting for you. That's that's a little dicey, but it's an interesting idea. And, you know, you'd probably get them on board eventually because it's streamlining the money to the person that's owed. I, I want to see this everywhere. Like right now I run a, a swag shop for like t-shirts and stuff like every podcaster does. And I take a small cut of that money and the people that run the swag shop, they have somebody they have to pay that does the print on demand and send out. And so they have that side of the books. And then once a month or once a quarter, they cut me a royalty report. They send it to me with a check. Right. So there's two steps there. It would be great. I know this is off of what you guys do, but you know, the person makes a payment Money goes to the producer, money goes to the shop owner, money goes to the, the uh, content owner. Done. And you start thinking about that. And again, that's when lightning came along and programmable money. My brain just like, God, I wish I knew how to write code, but then I wouldn't have time to podcast. So I'm glad there's guys like you that know how to write code. Yeah. And also, you know, I think one of the things we've learned the most about the past year um, is the education part of this is just as important as the tech. So, you know, we've had um, almost a thousand podcasters um, claim their show on Fountain and set up a Lightning wallet. But there's a big difference between actually getting set up on a technical level and actually, you know, starting to receive support week in, week out. 
And because if you're a podcaster and you already have your show format, you already have your production process in order to, it's a big decision to change that and introduce the segment where you ask people, you know, for support. Yeah. Um, so I think the education piece, you know, we try our best to provide like guides and, and content on our website. But I think that the more that other podcasters can share their experience of what's working, what's not, you know, things you could try, an easy way to get started, that kind of thing is just as important for um, this to be successful and continue to grow. It's one of the reasons I kind of want to be able to just see like my top 10 booster grams, because when you get a small show, then like reading their booster grams, they can every episode read all their booster grams. I, I can't yeah. do that. There won't be a show. Right. And I'm not complaining, guys. Keep them coming. Right. But it makes a difference when you read booster grams online. And if I could just pull up the app and scroll through the top 10 from the last week every Monday, that would make it a heck of a lot easier. Uh, and one of the other things is like where you can see them in the wallet, I'm trying to read them and the streams are coming <laughs> and, and it keeps re reloading stuff. So that would be something that would make it because my biggest advice to somebody out there who's like, well, I'm on Fountain and I don't get a lot of boosts. I don't get a lot of streams. You need to one, tell your audience about it. And if you don't tell your audience about it, they don't know. And instead of seeing it as I'm asking them for money you're providing them additional value. All this stuff we're talking about today, it does not exist on Spotify. It does not exist on Apple Podcasts. It does not it exist on Stitcher. It does not exist in Pocket Cast. You can't have the interaction with them. And those companies will not give them money in return for them listening to you. So when you don't tell your audience, you have people that you say you care about, but they could be using just a different app and getting paid. And you didn't tell them that. And that's a disservice, right? Then the next piece would be then when they sent you boostograms, read them on the air. Because other people are like, oh, look at that interaction they got. And I mean, I, I guess I'm not as big as Adam. Adam literally gets people boosting him to complain or talk shit to him. And he kind of digs it. He's like, yeah, you just paid me to tell me I suck, right? So that's okay. And both sides got to dig that. And so read the boostergrams and tell your people, but don't forget the first part either claim. I have a lot of friends that are podcasters and I'm like, did you claim your podcast yet? Oh, I haven't figured it out. Dude, can you click a link in an email? Yeah. Then you can do this, you know, and I won't get that money, but you, but you do one thing one time and you get it forever. Yeah. Like, can't figure it out. I, you know what? When you look at your balance and it says 150,000 sets, you'll figure it out then just do it. Yeah. Yeah. And also, what I think sometimes people miss um, when they initially hear about Fountain or Podcasting 2.0 is that they think it's just a way to, you know, number one, earn money. Number two, you know, have an interaction between the listener and the host. And, and that's true. And those things are amazing. But the discovery that it, this can actually bring to your show is incredible as well because you know if you see so one of the things we have in the new activity feed is we always have the baller boost from the last three days in everybody's home feed so everybody listening on fountain if you're the top boost in the last three days we'll see your show we'll mm -hmm. see the boost and we'll see the message that that listener sent to your show which is often you know when once you start getting up to these high boosts 
it's often really thoughtful messages uh, of somebody that's received an incredible amount of value from the show over years and years and years. Mm -hmm. And so it's such a great, um, you know, selling point for the show. So I think that's the other reason why it's really a a good idea to encourage your audience to start doing this because it can provide you a great way to find new audience. And and you'll be surprised at what some of them will do. I've had boost half a million sats. I think I had one boost last year for a million sats and a single boost. And that's, that actually has an impact on you beyond, Hey, I got some money. Like you are connected to that listener forever in a, in, in, a, in a, a part of your mind and your heart, because that person clearly has gained something from what you've done or they wouldn't do that. Um, and it does make an impact when somebody sees that another user sees that. So like, I'm back to like a lot of people really want their podcasts that they love to do well. And it's a way to participate in helping to promote that podcast Uh, because you don't just have like the biggest one. Like you have a list every week of like top boosts and and that, you know, having been on that list a few times myself, it feels pretty damn good to know that people care about what you're doing that much. And I don't know where else you get that interaction. And and like I said, I've had a lot of podcasts. I've literally beat the hell out of them verbally to get them like claim your podcast Go, you know, I have one guy. I want to come on your show. Have you claimed your podcast yet? Well, no. <laughs> like, if you don't get on Fountain, like what I do with a, with a fellow podcaster that comes on, I usually throw a split to that episode. Like, that's something we haven't talked about yet. So, right now, 20% of all my sats that come in over Podcasting 2.0, and I guess we should say here too, you don't have to use Fountain to boost my show. If any of you're using any other app and I'm on fountain as a producer and you're sending sats to my show, I just happen to get it through fountain because that's how I'm interacting with you. But it's a lot like Noster in a way I can be on Iris and you can be on snort and we see each other type of thing. Yeah, exactly. And that's so important as well. Like none of this would, would work. None of this would be exciting um, if it wasn't cross app because it's the one thing that Apple and Spotify are never going to be able to do. You know, never. Spotify, they could they could easily sit down tomorrow, look at the features that we have in Fountain and say, okay, we're going to get some designers, we're going to get some engineers, we're going to build this. They could do it easily. But the thing that they'll never do is build that system in a way where it's open and it works mm. with open podcasting, open RSS and other apps. So yeah, if you send a boost from, you know, one of the other podcasting 2.0 apps, and they're sending the right metadata along. That will show up as a comment in Fountain as well. So, yeah, that's the beauty of it. And hopefully we can uh, do more and more in terms of, you know, integrating the apps and letting people reply across apps and stuff. You know, Nost is a great example of something that could help us do that. Yeah, I mean, so that's why I always say, like, if you're in Fountain and if they're like a sophisticated user and maybe they're using something else and they're using their own notary, can give me your pub key. Yeah, exactly. And so right now, the guy that handles like my server uh, and all my technical shit and like Saturday when my email went crazy and I thought I was hacked, you know, reconfigured everything and made sure even if it was a hack, we were safe until he got home while he was out and about. He gets 20 percent off the top of every single thing that comes in through the 2.0 app. But if I have on a fellow podcaster and I know that person's name is going to bring more eyeballs on me, like when I had Guy Swan on. I cut my percentage for just that episode by 20% and I gave him 20% of that episode for life. So if somebody listens to that episode a year from now, 
That's like a royalty in the music business. And then you can't overlook the cross-platform because we're using a protocol. Like, like I said, like Noster, we're using a protocol. So if you don't like Fountain for whatever reason and you want to use Breeze, then go use Breeze. I don't – it doesn't matter to me at all. I still am going – or if I'm using Breeze and you're using Fountain, like, well, I guess you can't do that. Well, you can, I guess. Would that work? Does it go the other way? That doesn't seem like it would work. Um, no. So this is what I was uh, touching on earlier, which is the ability to receive offline. So the reason you wouldn't be able to use Breeze to receive is because you can't receive offline payments um, yeah. into your Breeze wallet. Um, so, yeah, but that I think that will get solved. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, in a way you can, because all you're talking about is where you're getting your like your pot is a, from a. You have to think a little differently. And so most of the audience are consumers only, not producers and consumers. As a producer, it doesn't really matter where I am because I'm going everywhere. So if I wanted to receive into a different location, what you already give me the ability is instead of receiving to a fountain wallet to put in my pub key. And I, I'm pretty sure I can receive straight. I don't do it, but I can receive straight to my note if I wanted to right now. Yeah, you could. Yeah, you could have 50%. And some podcasters do this as well. You could have. 50% go into your fountain wallet ah. um, and 50% go to your own node as well. Um, but Working obviously, myself. yeah, so you could do that. I kind of like receiving in a fountain, throwing it over to something like Wallet of Satoshi or Blue Watt, while tossing it over my node and then eventually pushing it back on chain because go track that. Because it doesn't cost most to move. That's the whole point of lightning, right? You can move it around to multiple locations. Uh, we're kind of dancing on this right now, but K-Bonk wants to know, maybe, are there any other improvements from listener experience that you're considering that we haven't talked about? Yeah, so I think there, there's a couple of things. The first is, um, well, there's actually three categories. The first is just the management of your library. Um, so the ability to add new sorts and filters um, and just making the UX of managing your library and your queue just a, a lot more smooth. And um, that's something we should have a release out soon on that. Uh, the second feature is some of the audio playback features that we haven't got to yet. Things like smart speed, voice boost, um, that kind of thing. And then the third is just integrating some of the new podcasting 2.0 features more into the player. So I talked about chapters, transcripts, that kind of thing. Right now, they're only displayed on the episode page and um, not from the player, but there's a lot we can do there. And then the other thing is just to continue to uh, update our CarPlay and Android Auto uh, features because we, we've got a kind of V1 out of that and you can listen, manage your queue, um, you know, view your library on the CarPlay interface, but there's a lot more to do there. Um, so, yeah, a lot coming on, on the listener side. Yeah, I definitely would like to see more integration with CarPlay because that's one of the times I've spent a lot of time consuming content is when I'm – and I don't do it like I used to because I work from home now and all, but when I'm in my car. So, like, if I have to go out for the weekend, I'm always plugging it in, and it would be great if I had more of the feature capability on the touchscreen on my car. That would, yeah. that would be awesome. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Carl asks, and we kind of talked about live streams already, but, like, can you kind of look into the future? What would that actually look I, I struggle with that a little bit um, because I don't always have the same version of the show in both places. Like, uh, today, because I – Slack and let you hang in right at the end there. I didn't even do my sponsor segments. I'll like, they'll be on the audio side. They're not on the video this time. And so like, 
if this got integrated, would I literally be available on the fountain app? And would that maybe go away? Um, yeah. Totally different thing. But here's what Rumble gives me the option to do. I can say I'm going to live stream to Rumble, delete this when it ends. And then the hard copy comes over with the YouTube interface uh, later by the import feature. And so the live stream goes away. And that way you don't have two versions there. You know, like, could you run the live? And then when the live's over, the live ends. And then the RSS version populates as normal. Yeah, exactly. So I think the way that I envisioned this is that the audio or the video content could be switched out. The important thing is that the metadata around the actual content persists. So, you know, the boosts, um, you know, the comments, those would persist over, but the actual audio content or video could change. Yeah. Then then uh, Carl also says this. Could I do an MSV sale with Booth? So I sell a member, private membership. That's my primary monetization. I don't think I would do that because then I'm turning Fountain into a payment gateway for a separate service. But it gives me a promotional idea because other people do this, like uh, Intergalactic Boombox. I love him. And I saw him do a thing where he sold uh, these stickers for, for Boostergrams or whatever. And the other thing would be, I love Tom, but I don't really want to give him 20% of all my payments uh, to my membership uh, program because that's how I actually like pay my mortgage and stuff. But what I might do is like a week long period where if you boost 5,000 sats, you get double that amount off a of membership or something like that once in a while. And I think podcasters need to get creative with this and start understanding that I can tell you for a fact, being in the top 10 list helps you gain more exposure. It boosts your signal to new listeners who wouldn't otherwise uh, hear from you. And something that if you're listening to this and you run a podcast, that's not about Bitcoin that you should really take to heart and understand is right now, the dominant force on Fountain is obviously Bitcoin podcasts. There's something about being a no agenda, which has a lot of Bitcoin content, but has a ton of stuff that has nothing to do with it or a survival podcast that's talking about farming one day, business the next day, Bitcoin the next day, and news events the next day that sets you apart when you're when you're visible there of, oh, this is something different. And that's not going to last forever. I'm watching more and more shows come in from a different variety of spaces and starting to make some in-runs. But right now, it's it's somewhat still virgin territory. Yeah, exactly. I think there's there's so much room for, for new podcasters in different uh, areas. And also, you'd be surprised, you know, how many people on Fountain will see a boost or, you know, and, and then discover the podcast and become a subscriber. So, yeah. Here's an interesting one to add to your ideal list, the, the Google of podcasting targeted ads. I like targeted content research mode user to use a topic be selected for promotion on my feed. So if people said like I specific like you have categories already uh, but then it's for an advertiser like it would be interesting if I could do general promotion to people that are interested in agriculture like I literally when I started the show one of my mediums that got me off the ground because ads AdWords sucked was a little stupid plugin that was a plugin for like Firefox Chrome etc um, called stumble upon. 
And all it was is a little button that went in your browser. I don't even know what he uses it anymore. And when you were just wanting to browse shit on the Internet, you just hit that button. And you would say, I'm interested in survivalism was one of the categories. And I would give I would throw a 100 bucks a month at that. And I picked up a lot of my first people from that stupid little plug in that was targeting the thing versus the direct content. It was just, hey, this is a thing that's in the world you like. Yeah, I think there's a lot more that we can do there. I think that, you know, it comes back to what we were talking about right at the start in terms yeah. of why I, I ended up building Fountain is because I think that podcasts are such an incredible way to discover, um, you know, really fascinating things about the topics you're interested in. So I think we can actually um, do this in an organic way where you just would naturally discover uh, new shows and new episodes based on the content. For example, you know, it's a very underdeveloped feature. And this is an example of how much we still have to improve. But the hashtags feature on the clips, you know, the ability to see a clip in your activity feed that one of your followers liked, play that clip, see the hashtag, maybe it's agriculture, and you click on that hashtag, and you go and you see, you know, um, 30 clips on that. And you can just you know, queue them all up, yeah. cycle through them. And then the ones that you like, you can just, you know, save, click through to the episode and, and save to your queue to listen to the full episode. So th this way of navigating spoken word audio content that breaks you out of your traditional, I only see new episodes from the feeds that I'm subscribed to. That's kind of like what our goal is. And obviously there's so much more to do in the app, but yeah, that's the goal. This is an interesting one because I have the solution. Uh, Mr. Bearded Homesteader says, do you have a video walkthrough on how to clam? I mean, claim. I'm sure what he means and move the sats that you have accumulated. Um, if you go to my other YouTube channel, the Bitcoin breakout YouTube channel, and you look, there's a series of short videos there on how to use fountain and it has changed slightly, but if you watch it, you'll be able to figure out how to do it. You don't really have to claim them. They're yours. They're just in fountains custody Go to your wallet, click the little three dots, and it'll say withdraw. So like the amount you want, you'll copy an invoice. This is the one thing that's a little bit different. First, you'll need a lightning wallet. So blue wallet, wallet of Satoshi, et cetera. Because uh, if you're asking this question, you're not running a node. I can already tell you that. And what's different is you actually send to receive. And I have a video over there. You can watch it. And even though it looks a little different because the new versions come up since I made that video, if you watch that video, you'll be able to figure out how to do it. So that's the one thing people need to realize. You don't have to claim your stats. You just have to withdraw them. They're already yours if you have an account on Fountain. Is there anything you want to add to that? Um, all I would say is if you are if you want to learn more about how to claim your show as a podcaster, we, we put out a new video recently, um, how to claim your show on Fountain, which I've, I've just put in our chat. And we also have a video just how to get started uh with value for value on our, on our youtube channel so just check out our youtube channel or check out our website there's loads of guides there um yeah let me real quick here i'm gonna i'm gonna add that add youtube because it wasn't in your form i'll add that to the show notes um because right now i've got fountain fm i've got your twitter and the company's twitter so i'll add that to the show notes for today as well uh i'm not really sure what tom is asking here uh, our podcast priorities to control the episode queue on the list. And that's the Tom, by the way, that does all the magic behind the scenes for me. 
Yes, definitely. Improvements to the queue are very high on the list. Um, <clears throat> I think we want the queue to be really, really powerful such that you can, you know, just do whatever you need to do uh, to reorganize that queue, uh, filter that queue, maybe based on the type of content that you're listening to, auto add certain shows to the queue and tag them at the same time. So 100%, there's so much we're working um, um, on in that area. And I think Drag Life's asking the same thing there yeah. pretty much, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's being worked on because that would be great. Um, yeah. Definitely. That's the other thing as well um, in terms of <clears throat> managing your library as well. So the ability to do anything on an individual show level as well and have yeah. that as a setting for each show is something that we've been working on. I was actually working on that today as well. So, yeah, it's coming. And here come there they start asking for everything now. David wants to know any chance that you can get more options for playback speed. 1.25 is too fast sometimes. What I'll say about that, I am not the guy that listens at a higher rate of speed because I want to listen to more content. There are people, how can I put this kindly, that maybe podcasting should not be their first choice of enterprise, and they kind of talk like this. And I do like the ability, because a lot of times they're actually really interesting topics, and I like the ability to speed them up a little bit at a time so I can get it to where they sound like a normal speed. And that's what, like, I've even had, you know, professional narrators on uh, Audible, and you're listening to the book, and you're going, oh, my God. And you put it up on, like, 1.1, 1. 1. 1.2. Oh, there we go. Now I can listen to this. Yeah, definitely. We we do plan to add more granular playback speed options, though, for sure. Cool, man. Well, this has been a great discussion. I'm glad we finally got together. Um, let people again. I mean, it's pretty obvious you're from Fountain FM, but how can they find out more? And do you have anything going on that people may want to tie into for more information than just visiting your website? Yeah, well, I would say, first off, if you haven't tried out the Fountain app, to, for listening to podcasts, please do give it a try. And if you have previously tried it out, like go back and have a look at the new 0.6 update because there's loads of cool new stuff in there. Um, but yeah, if if you like what we've been talking about in terms of value for value, changing the way uh, media and content is recommended on the internet, you know, escaping this attention trap that we've kind of fallen into over the past 10 years, then yeah, just please give us a try. We're live on iOS and Android. Just download the app. And, and the other thing is, um, please keep your feedback coming in the app as well. Like we, we are listening to every piece of feedback that comes in. It does have a direct influence on, on what we build and what we work on each week. Um, so yeah, please do keep sending in feedback. And then the final thing I'll say is just, you know, as Jack said, he's been, he's been screaming at every podcast that he knows to try and claim their show on Fountain. And I would encourage everyone like do that, like go into your list of shows figure out which ones are lightning enabled and which ones aren't and send them an email, you know, just send them an email and say, Hey, like, I would love to support your show here. It takes uh, a couple of, it takes just a minute and a couple of clicks to get set up because that's the, the thing that we've seen work is it's listeners that email their favorite shows and get them set up. And, and that's how this thing spreads. So yeah, if you want to do any of those things, that'd be incredibly helpful. <laughs> and bearded home center, is there any benefit to getting the premium version uh, that's listed. What you get, I would tell you for me, the most valuable thing in that package right now is that when you're doing clips, you can use transcripts. So when I go to make a clip, a textual uh, transcript in blocks, which are very well delineated blocks, shows up. 
and I can click the text that I want to make a clip out of and maybe trim a little off the beginning or the end and publish that clip. And that's worth three bucks a month to me. If you like making clips, it's totally worth three bucks a month. And I don't know like what you're walking to not be in exchange, what legal line you're walking as a UTA company. But I would love to see you guys do something like instead of three bucks, it's five, but two bucks worth of sats go to the user. Right. <laughs> I, I don't know if that puts you in the world of exchange. I don't know that it would though. Um, or accelerated earning where they can earn up to an extra two bucks or something like, because if you did that, then the ecosystem moves faster. And then the person's like, well, that's adding to what I can do in a different way. And it's creative and it doesn't directly cost you anything. Yeah, exactly. I would love to do that too. Um, and yeah, I mean, we're definitely exploring it. Um, I just think that we do have to be careful because, you know, there's a lot of people out there that that don't like Bitcoin and are ready to... Big regulatory of, hammers waiting for... Yeah. And this is what people need to understand. They don't attack everything. They pick places to attack that are easy. And that's not just Bitcoin. That's the crypto space. Like, why do you think they went after Ripple? Why do you think they went after Odyssey? Because the, it was a soft target. And I think what a lot of the regulatory bodies are doing, right, if I can get enough soft targets and I can hammer them right, then I have precedent legally to go after others. And so you don't want to be that giant nail sticking this high up out of the deck board with the big old freaking sledgehammer coming down on you. But what you just said did make me think of something that you said earlier, and I meant to ask a question. I didn't make a note. You said something about Noster uh, and possibly integration with Noster. And I had actually wanted to ask that anyway. So can we end with that? What are your thoughts on how apps like Fountain may eventually integrate with Noster? I would like to see like instant publishing, like announcement of publishing or something like Mm. that into my Noster feed. Because I just got on Noster. I'm a slow kid sometimes myself. I got on there yesterday, and I'm already, like, totally enthralled with it. By the way, yeah. if you're on there, I need your freaking pub key so I can follow you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll stick that in the chat. So the first thing is we already have a Noster integration. So you can add your pub key to Fountain so that other Fountain users can follow your Noster. And also, you can add your Fountain Lightning address to whatever Nostra client you're using. You can receive the ZAP payments directly into your Fountain wallet. And you get the same analytics on how much you're earning, uh, you know, who's supporting you and which notes the income is coming from, as you do with the podcast. So you can see a side-by-side breakdown of, okay, in the last seven days, I've earned this much from Boost, this much from Streams, and this much from Zaps on Nostra. Um, so yeah, definitely, I would encourage you to do that. Um, and that's our kind of like first uh, step with, with Nostra integrations. But I do think there's a lot more we can do there. Um, because like I say, the, the the power of the Nostra protocol is that you can bring your followers. So like, obviously we have, you have followers on Fountain, you have followers on Nostra, you have followers, like you should just be able to bring your followers to whatever app you use. Um, we don't want to keep that as some kind of, um, you know, secret thing that we have in Fountain. Like you should yeah. be able to bring your followers and that's what Nostra enables. But yeah, if you're if you're using Nostra as well, try um, adding your Nostra pub key to Fountain. You can do it from the profile tab and also try adding your lightning address to Nostra. And, you know, tag me on Nostra and I'll send you a zap to, to test it out. But yeah, you can receive zaps to your Fountain wallet now. 
Well, I, I see you found the private chat, so drop your pub key in there for me, and I'll make sure that I add that to the notes as well. And I'm going to actually make that modification. Right now we're closed for booking um, because we're booked so far out. But when I bring the guest form back, I'm going to start asking for that. If you don't, And I'll put, like, if you don't know what this is, leave it blank. But when I have guests on that are on Noster, it makes perfect sense that we would want to make sure that we have their pub key. Um, because all I can say, guys, I did the show on Noster last week. And if you haven't tried it, freaking try it. Because it won't make sense until you do. And the minute you use two separate apps and your shit's in both places, you're like, oh, oh, I see. And, and, and then, you know what? We talked a lot today about Fountain being new and having some grace with things as people work through it. Noster's pre-beta, right? So just know, like we said last week, you get on Noster, you'll see some things you don't want to see. Things will not always work as quickly as you would like, but there's pioneers. And trust me, in this day and age, you want to be a pioneer because what we're watching right now is the greatest technology disruption in the history of mankind. And it will always be in the words of Ernest Hemingway, gradually, then suddenly. And one day everybody will know and be like, oh, of course. And it will seem like it happened in a 48 hour period, like a bank run. But it will be this lead up where you put down your anchor and you build your fortress inside it. And so I, I'm excited that I got on Fountain as early as I did. I made your top 10 list last year for the year and I got on in August. And all I could think to myself is, yeah, you should have gone on in January. And uh, that's Noster. That's Fountain. That's all of these things that Oscar and I were talking about today. Whether you're producer, consumer, get on them now because – we're changing the value formula where the value formula used to be. I do a podcast and you give me money in one form or another. You use my referral links. Uh, you join my membership and the value I gave you back was product. But now we're changing the value into a circular economy, which is the parallel economy. We always talk about building. This is it because two users who consume the content are sharing value between each other. And I'm out at that point and I'm okay with that. And to my fellow podcasters, if you're not, what are you even doing? Go get a job with CNN. Oscar, man, this has been great. Again, all of the links will be in the show notes today. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks so much for having me on, Jack. I really appreciate it. And, yeah, I hope we do this again soon. Absolutely. Anytime you want to come back. Well, great discussion. I, I really think it's important for a lot of us right now, especially people like, you know, you guys that are in my age bracket. It's hard to accept new things. Like, you're a podcast listener, so you're probably using a legacy app, which was a brand new thing 15 years ago. A lot of the apps you guys are using, when I started, those apps didn't exist. You know, Pocket Casts and things like that. They didn't even exist when the Survival Podcast started. You picked up a new thing back then. You used it before other people did. That's why you're a podcast listener today. Well, it's time to do that again. And I know as we get a little older, it's a little harder, we're a little more set in our ways. Fifteen years ago, if Noster had come out, I would have been on Noster the day I heard about it. It took me like two months of listening to everybody talk about it on Twitter to finally go, what's the big deal? I'm like, Holy crap, this is amazing. This is amazing. I think you'll feel that way about Fountain. And take what Oscar said to heart. If you used it last year and you're like, this thing's too buggy, I understand. You know, it's it, it's it's you know pioneering new territory. It is a fan freaking tastic app. 
Get on there, start using it. Build your reputation, even if you're not a podcaster with other users. Start making clips. Start sharing content. Connect with each other. You know what we need to do? You guys need to start sharing your podcast, uh, your, your, your fountain handles with each other on social media and connecting with each other. You guys should be following each other because I'm not the only podcast out there. Yes, believe it or not, I love that you guys listen to other shows. Because a lot of times, things I learn from you come from other podcasters. So connect with each other, use this thing, share value with me, share value with each other. Come on, guys, check it out, make it happen. Podcasting 2.0 with Fountain.fm. It's the new way of doing things, especially when it comes to sharing information through the medium of podcasting and connecting to other podcast listeners and building that parallel economy that everybody talks about. And it's sitting right here in front of us because it is these things like Noster, like Podcasting 2.0, that we will eventually build a parallel economy on where you're going to be selling your backyard tomatoes or your wood shop stuff that you build or whatever it is. Because it's not going to be in their system because they don't want decentralized entrepreneurship. They want everybody either working for somebody that's important in their eyes or on the dole tapping into the work that the other people are doing. That is the plan. That is the goal. That is not my plan. I'm not doing it. I'm building something completely in a new world, and I invite you to join me. With that, if you like the show and the work that we do, not only can you share value for us using Podcasting 2.0 apps. You can also do things like become a member of my MSB. And I'm thinking about that. Maybe I should do some sort of MSB sale for Boostergrams. Like some sort of, you get a discount if you do a Boostergram. Uh, let me ponder that. Let me think about that. That probably needs some lead up. But you can become a member anyway because it's a really good deal and you get a lot of great discounts and it pays for itself and you probably should be anyway. That would be one thing. The other thing you can do is you do your online shopping, starting where? You know where. tspaz.com. T-S-P-A-Z. tspaz.com. I got an item of the day for you today. I ain't brought around in a while. I really should bring this around more. It is, I've often said there are certain things I don't know what I would come up with, and maybe I should. Out of the T-SPAS catalog, what are the 10 most useful things on my homestead? One would be zip ties. That's not what today is. But definitely zip ties would be in there. But stuff breaks, and being able to fix it on the fly is important. And zip ties are one way we can do that. Duct tape would be another. Um, but JB Weld, and specifically JB Weld Water Weld, underwater epoxy putty, is the item of the day today. Now let me tell you why you want the underwater version. Because if you use the JB Weld underwater version, and it's a place that doesn't get wet, it works. But if it does get wet, it still works. That's why. And it costs the same. So don't buy the non-water one when you can buy the water one. This stuff's awesome. It comes in a little tube. It's not like one of these epoxies where you have two things and you have to squirt them together and mix it. It's basically a putty, and you cut as much off as you want, and it's separated because there's an inside and outside, kind of like a jelly roll, and you massage it together with your fingers, and then you have a little bit of time to get it, you know, whatever you want to fix done with it. Here's something I did with it recently. I'm putting in the drip irrigation. You guys saw, if you watch the video, there's one bed that there's like little dots on the side of the pipe. That's because I drilled the hole straight through, and I decided I didn't want to do that. I wanted to go alternating. So, you know, one hole on the left, one hole on the right with some space between them to spread the plants out more. And I was like, I don't want to, re you know, throw those pipes away. So I just took a little piece of JB water well and plugged every hole. Every other hole, I guess, is the way to do it. So it went left and right, alternating instead of, you know, equal distance all the way through. Not my primary recommendation that you do that, but it saved my butt from having to buy a whole bunch of new pipe after I made a mistake and I got exuberant and did something I really shouldn't have done. 
that was cool. I've used a bunch of different ways. I had some fiberglass tanks that I built a cascading flow system back into one of my ponds. Huge crack in it. Again, not the primary way that I use it, but I use two tubes, one on the inside, one on the out, a year and a half, still holding, instead of having to get rid of a fiberglass tank that was otherwise a perfectly good tank. I mean, for six bucks a tube, that's a hell of a deal. And it just works every time. It's awesome. And I have one tip to add. I added this today. It does work even on things that are wet, but it's better if the thing you're putting it on is dry. What happens inevitably, though, when you're putting it on something, it wants to stick to your fingertips and pull back off when you're trying to form it. Moisten your fingertips, and it'll stick to the stock instead of your fingers. That's a pro tip there, and I did add it to the PS in the write-up today. But remember, no matter what you buy online, if you start your online shopping at tspaz.com, and you're probably going to buy something this week, you help support the show and the work that we do. Today's, ep- today's uh, show, though, uh, item of the day, JB Weld, Water Weld. If you do not have this... On your homestead, you should have a few tubes of this stuff, you know, in your cabinet, in your shop, or whatever. I also keep a tube of this stuff in my truck. You never know what you're going to need it for. But, man, I'll tell you what, as a redneck, redneck hippie duck farmer will tell you, if you can't fix it with JB Weld, zip ties, bailing water, or duct tape, you need a machine shop, right? At least temporarily. So add this to your go-to kit for your homestead and your vehicle today. You won't regret it. It's only 6 bucks. And start your shopping at tspaz.com. With that, we have wrapped up. Thank you for tuning in today. If you generally skip Bitcoin breakouts, but for one reason or another you did tune in today, thank you for that. Um, all I can say is right now Bitcoin price action is pressured upward hard. Why? Bank failures. And they said, the bank failures, don't pay attention. It's okay. Don't worry about it. We got it all fixed. Sleepy Joe fixed it. Okay, sure. Um, I want to point something out. Uh, Lehman Brothers and Bear Stearns were pretty far apart. And they were part of the same collapse. And when the second one went, that's when everything went to shit. So just because they plugged the hole temporarily doesn't mean it's plugged. You need a plan B. That plan B shouldn't be Bitcoin. Wait a minute, did he just say it shouldn't be Bitcoin? It shouldn't be Bitcoin. Plan B should be diverse. It should be about parallel economies. It should be about having your own income. It should be having some cash. It should be having some silver and gold. It might be having some real property. But Bitcoin is a keystone element to plan B. If you're leaving it out, you're making a huge mistake, in my opinion. With that, I'll be back tomorrow with something that's completely unrelated to Bitcoin, I promise. It's been Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast. Are they going to bail you out or just run you around? They said you should have a house the American way. A dollar down, a dollar a month.
revolution.